Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 62. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week's episode focuses on the new European General Data Protection Regulation that will come into effect May 25th, 2018. And joining us on the show to help you understand and prepare for GDPR is Forest Lawn Software's Head of Marketing, Connor Keppel. As always, we top off the show with our upcoming Forest Academy webinars. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Kylian. How are you? I'm good now. So interesting one, because we've heard so much about this. I feel like everyone here is living, eating, sleeping it for the last couple of months now at this stage. Definitely. Um, at least people in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyone that was at the Salon Owner Summit, they got to kind of a workshop with Paddy, the head of product. Um, we've a lovely ebook and a nice website. And now we have Connor Keppel, who is about to kick off some webinars. Welcome to the show, Connor. Good to be here. Thanks, guys. So again, not your first time on the show, but it's a topic that you're going to be presenting webinars. Now, is this to everyone or is it to just clients or how does it work out? Uh, so we do the webinars for anybody that, that wants to attend them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, we, we've emailed out. So basically, if you sign up to anything on our website, you'll probably get emails uh, about all the different webinars we do. So it's in that list. But we also actually have a specific resource that you can keep referring back to. Uh, it's a website called salongdpr.com. Uh, so there we have... A, it's kind of like a four minute intro to GDPR, how it affects specifically salons. Uh, and on that as well, you can actually uh, download an ebook. And the ebook is like a denser kind of, a, I guess, kind of 15, 20 page booklet and all the kind of nitty, not well, I wouldn't say all the nitty gritty t- details, but a deeper dive into what GDPR is all about. Yeah, because we're just going to touch off the subject today to say for anyone that I suppose hasn't got to attend any of the workshops or stuff like that. It's yeah. just kind of touching off what exactly is it. Yeah. And that website that you were just saying there, it's pretty cool because it's kind of interactive as well. And as you go down, you can check out um like kind of the cost for your salon and stuff like that as well. Exactly. Yeah. We'll probably be discussing more about it in a few minutes, but you can yeah, yeah there's different little interactive tools. One is you can um it's like a sliding bar. So depending on what revenue is in your salon, it'll kind of calculate what fine would, would you, you would get if, if you're in breach of GDPR. We'll talk about the fine a bit later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but first off, I suppose, like, can, like, why are we doing so much around GDPR? Like, how, what is it and how will it affect a salon owner's business? Sure. So I guess to, to start off, uh, GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. So this affects um, any business really that's operating within the European Union. Uh, and really what GDPR is, it, it's a data, as the name suggests, it's a data protection regulation. The reason the EU is doing this, I guess, is currently in Europe, let's say Killian here is a consumer in Spain, let's say Zoe's in Finland and Connor's in Ireland. Those member states probably have their own data laws. Okay, so there's no kind of consistent law across every single European state currently. Uh, and what the EU wants to do is, is that as people move around Europe, um, that, you know, they know that they're protecting consumers because there's this, a European wide regulation that protects consumers' personal data, no matter what kind of business you're interacting with. Um, so the reason that we're talking about it a lot is basically um, any business that has any sort of personal information uh, is going to be regulated by the EU and, and this GDPR regulation. Uh, so really, in other words, if you're collecting contact details or and you know salons will collect much more personal information, it could be medical type information, then you need to comply by this GDPR regulation. Uh, and I guess for the want of a better way of putting it is the EU is going to be um, you know really heightening consumer awareness, saying that if you're in a Europe, 
you have these rights and the business should not be doing this X, Y, or Z with your data. And that's going to European wide. And salons are very data rich businesses. They have data on appointments, the data on contact details, like I said, medical type information. So obviously GDPR is really going to apply to salons. And it's something that we, we as an organization want to help, uh, I guess, you guys get ready for um, and, and just yeah, be ready for when GDPR comes in. So you're saying every European country has their own kind of version of it at the moment. Mm. And this is just to, uh, I suppose, make it more transparent. Mm. Um, what about the US then and UK? So anyone that deals with a European? Yeah, so the well, the UK is obviously still within the EU. Um, so when, I, when I'm saying every member has kind of their own version of GDPR, I don't mean their own version of GDPR. I mean kind of like they have some sort of some data, some sort of data protection laws yeah. in place. Uh, but this is going to be like in a European-wide standard. So the US... Um, the US has, generally speaking, a lot tighter data laws than a lot of EU member states anyway. But the UK is an interesting one uh, because sale owners often ask me and say, look, what, you know, Brexit. Yeah, um, is, is, will they, won't they? Like? Yeah, is, is Europe, like, is Europe applicable to us? In reality, if businesses are going to continue to do trade with any other country in the EU, so you can imagine if I'm a... I'm going to make this up like a hotel booking service, a hotel booking website. And I have consumers that are booking, you know, rooms from Ireland and from Finland before they travel to the UK. You're collecting data from other European member states. So you're going to need the UK, even if Brexit happens and they leave, the UK is going to need something that is at least, and I mean that at least as stringent as GDPR in order to continue to do trade with other European countries. Otherwise, if Ireland wants to do, you know, some sort of business with the UK and they don't have an equivalent to GDPR, then that then Ireland is breaching, like the business in Ireland is breaching it because they're going to say that if I transfer any data across the UK, for instance, um, then and they don't protect it the right way, I'm exposing that consumer data and that's on me. Now, the you know, it may not affect salons so much internationally, but the reason it will affect salons in a way is that because the UK is going to have to have, like I said, something that is, it mightn't be called GDPR, but it will have to be, ha- be as, as watertight as GDPR at least, if not more. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously, that's that's going to affect salons. So what I say to salons in the UK is, guys, if Brexit happens, you still need to prepare for GDPR because whatever comes after that is going to be at, like probably realistically kind of a carbon copy of GDPR. Yeah, because this is like the EU saying, here's the bare minimum if you want to deal with us. So either carbon copy it or make it better. Correct. But it can't yeah. be below it. Yeah. And I think the UK have been kind of building on their own thing towards Brexit for the last year or two anyway. So it will be coming into place for anyone that is a salon in the UK. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, the, the way I would do it is, I would just prepare for GDPR, and I think by preparing for GDPR, you're kind of preparing for what'll ever come up, whatever comes after. Yeah. Well, in terms of like us being, you know, a software company dealing with our clients, which are salon owners, mm. who is responsible for what in GDPR? Because obviously, we're treating client information and things like that as well. Yeah. So there's kind of two parties that are really responsible in GDPR, and um, there's what's known as the controller and the processor. So, uh. The, the processor is the tool. So if you look upon Forest Salon software, we're storing data, we're allowing people to collect data, we're allowing salons to collect the email addresses and medical details or whatever of, the, of their clients. So it's our responsibility as a processor to be, you know, to provide the salon owner with tools that, we can, that can be used in a GDPR compliant way. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the responsibility of the processor. Then the salon owner is what's known as the controller. So the controller is the person really that's actually using the data. So for instance, you know, you can collect something in a GDPR compliant way, but obviously that doesn't mean that, you know, that you don't have the responsibility. It's on, it's on you to make sure, for instance, that if people are not opted in for marketing, that you don't send them marketing. So Forrest can help you opt them in properly. It can do all that. But that doesn't mean that uh, it's not your responsibility as a salon owner to use that data in the correct way. So there's two kind of parties involved. There is, and it's kind of like a shared liabilities between the controller as a salon and the processor um, as Forrest. But I think where the majority of, of, I guess, the danger of a breach of li- uh, or a breach of regulation lies is with the controller because, you know, if if we use, say, we use our own types of software here in Forest as well, if we're collecting information, we might collect it in the right way. But if it were a case that we sent out a marketing campaign to people we shouldn't have or something along those lines, that's on us as the controller. So the processor has to say, yes, I have provided the salon with the correct tools and with the right functionality, et cetera, to be able to operate in a GDPR compliant way, mm-hmm. but it is still on the salon owner to actually be GDPR compliant in terms of how they use that information. It's their responsibility, but we're just helping them kind of control and store that information. Correct. It, it will be like, you know, some softwares, for instance, and we won't go too far on this road, different types of regulation might be around credit card details, encrypting people's credit card detail, all of that kind of thing. So we have to, when it comes to data and GDPR, We are providing a way to collect people's information the correct way, to store people's information in the correct way. uh, And we can guide the salon owner to say, look, guys, we can guide our clients to go, here's what you should and shouldn't do with the information. uh, But it is still on the responsibility of the salon owner to ensure they are using that information in a correct way. So you've mentioned uh, encrypting credit card details and such for the processor. So for us, the, uh, the software, what kind of data is going to be affected on the salon side? So the data that that applies to GDPR, it's not so much financial data, it's more personal details. So things like names, uh, PPS numbers, addresses, mobile phone numbers, uh, medical conditions, all of that type of information. If you're collecting any type of information related to an individual, it almost applies to GDPR. Um, And it's really about that type of data. So basically, there's a couple of... of, of, um, I guess, things that are really, really stringent when it comes to GDPR, okay? So the first is, have you got consent to collect that information? Did you collect that information from the the client who comes into your salon? Do they know what they're handing over in terms of information? And do they know why they're handing it over? And have they explicitly opted in to say, yes, I want to receive these types of marketing message. Yes, I know you're going to use my information for improving your treatments. Yes, I know, whatever. So the difference was in the old days, we kind of collected information and there'd be kind of a vague box at the bottom that you just kind of a a very generic statement. And even sometimes it might be pre-ticked and you had to untick. With GDPR, you have to say, here's the information I'm collecting. I am collecting it for these reasons. And you have to get the person not to opt out or to, you have to get them to opt in to say, I am, I understand and I understand you were using the information for these different reasons and I am okay with that basically. So it's it's like, you've seen it on some marketing forums before probably where it's like, you know, are you okay to receive offers? It's I'm like thinking, a much yeah. more stringent version of that. Those kind yeah. of vague tick this box will send you absolutely everything under the sun kind of days are, are unfortunately going to a bit of an end um, with, with GDPR. Yeah, it's like with the newsletter, sign up for newsletter, but it's not until you go to unsubscribe from the newsletter that you've actually unsubscribed for six different versions of that newsletter. Yeah. Now you have to clearly state every bit of information, essentially. Yeah, now that there is, 
and there's grey areas as well, right? So every law has its grey areas, as you know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there is one thing that's described as legitimate interest is an area within GDPR as well. Okay, so you, you, and I, I don't like want to go too far on this road because there's a lot of debate about this as we speak. I actually seen articles on it today, so there's kind of people trashing back and forth uh, about it currently. But legitimate interest is you can still send things to people that they may not have explicitly opted in if you have a good enough reason to do that. Um, so for instance, an example might be, you know, could you argue that you're sending people, if somebody comes to your salon every single week, okay, uh, and they're coming in to get their appointments and you have a major problem like with parking at the moment or there's some major construction going on or something like that, and of course they may not have explicitly opted in to get that message. But you can still send it to them because it's 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 legit it's information that's of legitimate interest and it's in, for them and for their needs as well. So yeah. the, the 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 talk at the moment then is like, well, is there certain types of marketing there that are legitimate interest? So I hear one debate on, for instance, say if Mary comes into Connor's salon every single week and I send her a discount saying next week I have twenty percent off. Is it in her legitimate interest to know that she should really come in next week because she'll get it cheaper than she will normally, which is helping her save money? So that's a legitimate interest. Yeah. And then other parties are like, wait a minute, that's marketing. And this is I where the gray this is where the gray area this is this is where the gray the gray area is at the moment. So I, I can't say uh, that that is a legitimate interest by any means, yeah. but um yeah, but but the, likes of, data. the likes of the reminders. Yeah. So they're, are they okay? They, they're what's, yeah, those kind of things are basically what's known as transactional texts. Yeah. So for instance, if you purchase something online uh, and you get an email, for instance, saying, here's your receipt and your invoice, mm-hmm. like that's fine. Like that's a transactional, like that's that's actually proof or evidence of of your purchase, like that's for your records. It's a form of receipt, correct? Yeah. Like I'll tell, let me let, let me get, let's let's get into a salon example for one second, right? So when mm-hmm. I'm collecting information, like it, it's all about what information are you collecting and do you have the right consent? So questions that I can legitimately turn around in terms of data protection and say that I was right to ask our like for instance, have you any allergies, right? So if you're coming in to get a facial and I ask you if you have any allergies, like that's an absolutely perfectly okay question to ask. Why? Because that's actually for your own, your own safety. So many different chemicals and ingredients that you need to know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you need to, you know, you, you can still write down why you're using that information. For example, I'm using this because we need to know for obviously for, for to, to operate properly and to make sure that we're providing you the best treatment and that's medically safe. Where you get into like no-nos really is asking something like, what's your salary range? Because that uh, has come up a bit, like your job title. Yeah, you range. can ask things like that. So that. I'm coming in for a facial. Like, wh- why do you need to know how much money I earn? Yeah. Well, in reality, the probably the reason Salom might ask that is, ooh, well, Connor earns good money, so maybe if he's a lot of disposable income, he's going to buy more retail. So I'll target him with, with retail offers. Like that. That's a not a legitimate collection of of of, yeah. of data. Like that's using data for marketing purposes, but that's not like a, a proper piece of data that's a, that's GDPR compliant. So you, again, to come back to it, what information are you asking? It's on you as a salon owner. There's another part of it called data minimization. You, you should only be asking for data that you actually really need for legitimate purposes. So asking a salary range, for instance, is not a legitimate purpose. It's, it's, it's personal information that you don't or shouldn't really be collecting, for instance. So on that note, can a, a client challenge you on certain information that you ask for, or if you've already given information that is now, I suppose, with GDPR coming in. So like that, if they gave their salary or their job title before GDPR, yeah. and now since GDPR, they can challenge, they they can ask for that to be removed. Yeah. Things like that. So 
there's a couple of parts to that question. So the first one is we're at, we're working out at the moment about retro uh, retrospective opt-ins, okay? And we're still we're still getting clarification from our legal advisor on that. Uh, so I don't want to say for definite or not for definite in terms of do you need to re-opt in every single person on your database that that has opted in in the past in a GDPR compliant way going forward? I don't know that yet for definite. Yeah, uh, we, we're still figuring that out. Um. And then um, the second part of your question was... Can a client ask for their data to be... Yes, they can indeed. So there's a couple of things that they can ask, right? So with GDPR, again, like I keep coming back to it, consent is the most important thing for Salon. How did you collect it? Why did you collect it? Where are you storing it? Who has access to it? How long are you going to store it for? What are you using it for? They are all questions that you have to be able to answer and you need a full audit trail and all this stuff with GDPR, okay? So you can imagine if you're on pen and paper, you need to keep any sort of information in a safe... And you're going to have to have an actual like like a, a ledger that people sign in saying it was Killian. I accessed it this time. I used it for this purpose, physically writing it down and then taking it back out again. So like if you're on pen and paper, it's just it, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Also, your storage, if you've got 2000 clients, where are you putting that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can store it in a safe, in a time safe, for instance. Like there, yeah. there, there is, I, I mean, I've heard people saying like, well, you need a camera on the time safe in order to prove that it actually really was Killian that like yeah. access that time. Like it's into crazy levels of of, of stuff. Um, but just in terms of, you, you rightly asked about can the client, what, what are the rights of the client in this? So in reality, people are saying like, who's going to come knocking on my door enforcing GDPR? I personally think, What's going to happen is that the EU is going to give a lot of money to each member state to run national advertising campaigns around GDPR. And they're going to say, here is your right as a consumer. Here's what the EU is doing to protect your data as a consumer. Know your GDPR rights. I think there will be some sort of campaign around that. Then I think in terms of what the client can do is, well, they can raise a complaint. Um, It will depend on the member state who they raise that complaint with. It might be a data protection agency or it might be an ombudsman or we, we need to figure that out. But... What they will do is uh, they can ask, they have the right to ask their data to be forgotten. So they can walk into you and they can say, I need you to delete every single piece of information you have for me anywhere in in this salon indefinitely now. And you need to also send me within a certain time frame, you need to be able to like basically call me or send me information to to prove that you have done that or to say that all your your information is gone. Um, The second thing is then what the client can do and this is kind of the more difficult part. There's a thing known as a SAR, which is a subject access request. So I can walk into a salon as a consumer and I can say, I need to know what data you have on me. I need to know who has accessed that data. I need to know why they had access to it. I need to know how you've used it. I need to know where you've stored it. I need to know when you collected it. I need to know how long you keep on collecting it for. And I need to know what sort of stuff you want to store, like use it for. So this is like the kind of information that you need to be able to, to, to do and Again, I know I work for software and I'm going to say it, but doing that with pen and paper is just going to be, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare. But um, yeah, so that that's the kind of the rights of, of the consumer really under it and what they can do in terms of, of requests and demanding that that their rights be protected. Um, and again, I'm going to say, guys, it's for me, GDPR, when it comes to salons, it's really about consent. Did you get the correct opt-in at the start? Did you tell them? Uh, and have you got like an audit trail? So in our software, for instance, you know, when people access information, each person in the salon should have a PIN number that's assigned to them. So in other words, to access for us, you have to type in a PIN. So that'll like have, you know, it'll have a log of who's accessed the software. The audit trail. The audit trail of who's accessed it. Uh, You'll also have campaign stuff in terms of what's, you know, so it's, yeah, it's messy. It's very, very messy. But again, I'm going to say to it, it just comes down to uh, how you're collecting that information at the start. Mm -hmm. So are you collecting it through like a GDPR compliant 
we'll say a digital consultation form on Forest or equivalent on whatever other software, pen and paper, how you're collecting that information, have you opted them incorrectly, and do you have a way of keeping an auditor? And that's going to be all really, really important um, and automating that because otherwise it, it's just going to be a nightmare. So how big a nightmare that will be is going to come down to how is the EU going to push and fund each member state within Europe to, to heighten the consumer awareness to advertising and so on. Are they really going to do that or will it be not as big as we think? And that's like, that's the elephant or, that, or that's the million dollar question, I guess. Well, the fact that software is so big at the moment and data is everywhere, I feel like it's not going to be that long before it is going to be clamped down like that. Yeah, like you're I, I, I mean, going to people... need a sticker in your shop front to say we are GDPR compliant now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's 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 not a huge surprise that that Europe's going down this route. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not all bad news, by the way, for Salon. I think uh, I do think there's silver linings to this. Um, it streamlines a lot of your admin work. Well, it's it streamlines it. Yeah, it does, but. It does also add certain, I suppose, types of admin, depending on how you do it. Again, if you're using software or not, et cetera. But there is opportunities, I think. <clears throat> um, I think there's kind of like what's known as a first mover advantage with this. The salons that come out early saying, we are going to start collecting information in the right way as soon as possible. Uh, and that start doing this in the right way early on. I think, you know, that sends a great message to our clients. So yep. obviously, like we really care about making you look good and feel great and providing you with the best customer service and the best treatments and the best styles. But we also really care about protecting your data. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we don't use it with third parties. We don't use, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think the salons that step out first and say, we really care about your data um, are, are going to have kind of a first mover advantage among consumers and clients who really care about their data. There are people who who may never care, okay? There are people who sign up for everything and they just, you know, they don't they don't really think yeah. about it. But there are definitely, particularly among a millennial type generation, um, and and kind of like, you know, into twenties and early thirties and stuff, people are beginning to get a lot more conscious about how people are using their data. Um, and particularly when you get emails, which we all do, like you get emails from people you know you never ever signed any form with, let alone didn't opt in but you never even interacted with. So that's an example of how, for instance, you know, a third party body obviously has been given a database with your information on it. So it's just, uh, consumers are getting more and more aware about this thing. Some people think GDPR is going to pain in the ass in terms of, of admin, and it is, but there are ways to streamline it, like you said, there are ways to make it easy by using the right software, by doing the right consent, by making your team aware. Uh, and I think the people who step out first and just kind of actually think about this and go, you know what, I'm going to flip this and turn it into an opportunity to show people that we like run our business really efficiently and that we really care about our clients' data. I think they're the ones that are actually going to get a bump off GDPR in a good way. Like as scary as it sounds, and even though it might sound like it's a lot of work, if you act now on it, it's mm. going to be easier for you because you're going to be ahead of before they finally clamp down you're going to be ahead of a lot of other salon owners this is now going to become a process a habit that you're just used to before it becomes too big yeah absolutely and 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 the other thing as well by the way there's another advantage is good marketing will actually be more impactful going forward i think so mm-hmm. people sign up for anything at the moment and they're just getting spammed by everybody so theoretically yeah. gdpr should reduce the amount of spam that everybody is getting theoretically um so good marketing that people want to opt in for salons that provide real value by using like great email great sms marketing great social media that they actually provide value that people want to opt into 
then theoretically that consumer or that client's inbox will be less cluttered with spam, which means that your your marketing will have greater visibility. You'll be able to cut through the noise better. And that's another silver lining as well. So yeah. I would just get on GDPR early. I'd visit Sal on GDPR.com. We have a full ebook there. It gives you way more detail than I'm talking about today. I'm only kind of touching, really uh, hitting the tip of the iceberg. And you can talk to, if you want to talk to an advisor or anything about like using software, I think for GDPR, it's on there as well. But hit that website and just get as much information as you can as early as possible about it uh, and, and just try and move on it. And yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting time. It's definitely going to be an interesting time. So what are the, to you, the next step for Salon to take now, other than join on your webinar, which you can give a bit of de- detail around as well. Yeah. But how can a Salon now be proactive as opposed to being reactive? Well, if I'm being honest, I think the first step to becoming proactive is to actually understand what is GDPR and the yeah. consent and the information. So I, I would, like I said, you could visit that website, download the ebook and so on, but I would start learning and start talking to some of your team. Is there anyone on your team that's actually interested in learning about GDPR, for instance? Is this a project that you can give to someone whether it be a receptionist or if you don't have a receptionist, is there somebody in there that's always kind of crying out for uh, a bigger project? or More responsibility. More responsibility, exactly, in terms of business. My first step will be to, I think as a business owner, you also need to find out for yourself as well because it's ultimately you that's going to impact. Um, So the first thing I would do is I I would just try to absorb as much information as you can about this. Search online, like I said, we sell on gdpr.com, but there's other resources out there. Chances are your actual member state, if you're in the UK or if you're in Ireland and so on, there are country specific websites on GDPR. And as some of the regulation and, and, and some of this, like this is the actual GDPR, I guess, what would you call it? The official document from the from the EU and stuff is just so dense though. It's, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's probably, I, I can't remember, it's 150, 200 pages or something huge. But there are, there's a lot of information out there right now. The second thing is there's no harm if you want in talking to a GDPR advisor an actual like you know legal advisor we can help salon owners understand you know um what they need to do from a software point of view and what they need to do from marketing and collecting info but if you want to maybe go talk to an actual gdp or consultant uh, that that can talk to you in your business and, and start um finding out information that way so i i personally think the first step is honestly is just to understand what gdpr is what implication it's going to have on you as a salon owner from a data point of view, which is all going to be around how you're collecting, storing information, who has access to it, and being able to provide that audit trail. Uh, and the earlier you get on it, the less of a panic there's going to be, the less scary it will feel. This isn't really particularly scary. It's quite bureaucratic. But like I said, if you get out early, using the right way, this you can actually turn this into an advantage for your salon. But the first step in doing that has to be understanding how this is going to impact my business and what GDPR is. Yeah, and I like that you're saying get get a champion in your salon. Mm. It, like, while you need to know as much as you can, it's good to share the load with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just one other thing to mention as well, actually, if you don't mind, people are asking, like, what is the implication if you don't adhere to GDP, uh, is this GDPR? <laughs> well, it's, it's it, yeah, it, it is, I guess. Um, so the short answer is you can be fined up to 4% of your revenue. Um, so that's a lot. So if, if your salon is doing three or 400 you know, search here for hundred thousand pounds, for instance, you can you go and calculate that. Like it's yeah. a lot of money. So the other thing I think that people are not thinking about, everybody's obsessed with this 4% fine. I actually personally think the bigger uh, impact is almost the reputational damage. 
So if you don't adhere to it, you know, I'm not sure what each member state will do. Will they advertise it in a paper or will there be like a big fanfare around businesses? Will they try and make an example of businesses that are not adhering to GDPR? And then people are like, oh God, my data is not safe in that business. Yeah. I think that would be actually far more longer detrimental than, than the fine itself. Um, that kind of reminds me of, you know, when you hear, like you're reading the local paper, and there's fast food restaurants and stuff like that that have been issued with health warnings. Correct. Instantly, it's become this, a black, they mightn't be shut down, they've just got the warning and that's a black mark in your head. Yeah. Straight yeah. away. Absolutely. Um, I mean, some businesses do bounce back from it, don't get me wrong. Um, and I think health and safety is, is, is probably even on another level again. Like, so in other words, if I'm eating in somewhere that you know, that just isn't clean enough to be eaten in by consumers. I think that's on a, even on a different level than data, but it's not far off it, you're right. It's not far off yeah, it. It's yeah, a lot yeah. of personal information. Yeah, it is a lot of personal information. And the other thing is, I guess, when you actually say that personal information, the thing is, the information people give in salons is a lot deeper than in a lot of businesses and a lot more mm -hmm. personal. So you're going to have things like you're going to talk about allergies. You're going to be talking about what medications might be taken. Like you, you go to a restaurant, you're probably going to give your email for a receipt or you're going to give whatever, you know, you're going to give certain details. You're not going to give that. Like, so the information that could be leaked or that can be misused or whatever is, is yeah, that's, it's very personal information. Um, and there has been cases of, I've heard of cases like in, in salons where, you know, um, somebody, a client sued the salon because they heard personal information back about themselves through a friend because apparently there was a few people out from a salon in a nightclub. Yeah. The friend overheard the people in the salon talking about the client's information. Then it got back to that client that, listen, I was out last night and a bunch of people, I heard them talking about your personal information. So there is there has been things that have happened. Um, and like I said, the EU, whether we like it or we don't like it as uh, as business owners, the reality is uh, the EU is going to be heightening consumer awareness around this um, in, in the way that it's heightened, you know, different things about about uh, pay equality, about different, just all sorts of different consumer rights and data now is going to be the latest one with GDPR. So it's it's time to be on it and it's time just to start really getting ready for May. Now is the time. It's never too late. There's no need to panic. It's just about a case about picking up that ebook or picking or hitting whatever website it is and just learning information about it yeah. and starting to get prepared for May. You know, it might be worth, like I said, getting a consultant for yourself and, and, and dealing with a GDPR expert. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that's basically it. In terms of what we're doing with the product as well, we are launching soon the digital uh, consultation forms. We've already started with them, actually. Uh, and they will allow you to opt in all your information correctly, allow you to we'll have GDPR compliant templates in there yeah. so that you're, if they're opting people in in the correct way. They know what they're opting in for. You have that audit trail. Um, so just... Regardless, you know, of course, I'd love everyone to be using Forest, but just definitely get on some sort of GDPR compliant software yeah. and learn more about GDPR. Just don't wait for it. Uh, it's coming down the line. And, you know, the reality is um, it's not even a case of just being ready. It's a case of turning it into an opportunity. And now is the time. So, Connor, thanks a million for joining us in for that today. Hopefully that sheds even more light on that. And if anyone wants to hear Connor talk any more on the issue, there will be a webinar on February the 28th, which is a Wednesday. Um, that event will be created on Facebook, so you'll be able to attend it through that. It's open to clients and non-clients, but then also there's salongdpr.com as well if you want to dig even deeper again. Yeah, exactly. So everything I talked about today, guys, it's, you know, just it's it's really just hitting on the tip of the iceberg. The ebook is is um, I'd say it's taken maybe a max an hour to read the ebook, and the website is like a four minute introduction as well. So we kind yeah. of have a condensed. Uh, and that really gives you from start to finish what you need to know as a salon owner for GDPR um, to basically introduce you to it and get you prepared. Great.
All right, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, Connor. And now for our second half of the show, I've already announced one, but that's not coming up for a while. So we, uh, webinars. Webinars. Uh, actually, webinars and trade shows this week. So uh, coming up real soon, we have the Pro Beauty London trade show. So if you're in that area, you can tag along and come see us on stand P35. So that's on February 25th and 26th. And Connor actually will be giving a talk there on GDPR as well from 4 to 4.50. If you want to register for that event that trade show you can go onto our facebook page and they're in the ticket link for that event there's a registration link for a free entrance badge and now back to the forest academy webinars on march 6th we'll have valerie del forge for another webinar on salon management so this time she talks about how to manage difficult staff which should be a very interesting one Definitely one to, to not to miss anyways. Um, so she'll talk about creating a plan to deal with dif- difficult staff members, building the process to ensure that there are no critical staff issues. And she'll also talk about staff meetings, you know, give you the, the 101 kind of about staff meetings. So again, if you want to sign up for that webinar, you can find your registration link through the event section on our Facebook page. So that's it for us today, guys. If you want to talk with an advisor about a GDPR compliance salon software solution, Visit salongdpr.com and book an appointment from there. And if you have any other feedback on the show, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're always looking for suggestions on how to improve Forest FM. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best.